Well, good morning, good morning. If uh, we haven't met, I'm Shay Ryanga. I'm one of the pastors here. Good morning and welcome to the cafe service, those online. Um, I'm pumped to kick off the This is Christmas sermon series this morning, where we are going to just embrace all the beauty and the craziness of Christmas. Um, I know many of us have some very interesting traditions. We hold some traditions in common. This morning, we're going to talk just about tradition. And by tradition, we really are going to focus on those beliefs, those practices, those people, those symbols, those images, those ministries that make up our life in the church around Christmas time and in ordinary time. And we're going to talk a lot about how Christmas was plan A. So the, the text actually that is behind and the inspiration for this series isn't the traditional narrative, birth narrative text of Jesus. It's actually John 1, 1 through 18. And you may remember John 1, 1 to 3 begins like this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning through Him all things were made. So it isn't as if we made a mess of things and God had to go back to the drawing board and figure out how to fix it all again. No, from the very, very beginning, it was God's intention to come dwell with us. And we see that trajectory all throughout Scripture. So we're going to be spending as much time in the Old Testament and Isaiah in seeing this, this intention in God throughout this series this is Christmas. So as you can tell, we're pretty excited about it. We've decorated very, very well around here. Um, if I go missing, the truck out there is going missing in the courtyard because my goodness, that's like my dream car, that Ford F-100. If y'all haven't seen that, whoo, it's beautiful. So how many of us have decorated already? Have, have we decorated the house? Yes. So for those watching online, pretty, nah, it's like 50-50. 50-50, so, so some of you haven't. Um, what about, do we open presents Christmas Eve? Not very many. Folks watching online, very few people. Um, how about Christmas Day? We open presents Christmas Day? Yep, most everybody, okay. What is our family uh, Christmas meat of choice? Are we making ham for Christmas? All right, not as many as I thought. What about turkey? Okay, turkey. What about other? Something else. Okay, other wins. That's interesting. Okay. So we hold some things in common. We have some traditions that we hold in common, right? But some of our traditions are kind of uh, different and unique to our family. So I grew up, when I grew up, I didn't know other families did this. No, none of my friends and their family did this. But I'm in the land, I'm in the city of the pickle apparently with best made pickles and the pickle parade. And we used to do this. Santa used to hide the pickle ornament on our Christmas tree. And my brother and I would go upstairs because I'm from a land where there are basements and we would get to the top step and we couldn't go before 7 a.m. We got to 7 a.m. and then we could go. And then we ran to the tree and whoever found the mysterious pickle ornament embedded deep in the tree got an extra present. So over the years, it was about 50-50, I think, as to who, who won um, that game. But uh, real tree or fake tree? Do we do real tree? No? Fake tree? Everybody does fake tree here. Yeah. So that may be a tradition that we change this year in our family. I've always, we've always done a real tree, but this may be the year that changes. So some of our traditions are a little strange. This pickle tradition, I, got cur I was curious 
in, in preparing for this message talking about tradition, right? I've never known what the significance of the pickle ornament was or if there is any significant meaning to it. So I did some research and the answer is really there's not. Um, you know, if you buy it, there's a little tag that says it's this rich German tradition. Well, it actually isn't known in Germany. The best I could find is like in the 1880s, Woolworth started getting these fruits and vegetable ornaments from Germany. And I think just some savvy marketing person wrote a little simple story. And now they probably sell way more pickle ornaments than carrot ornaments or pineapple ornaments or you name it. I don't know. But the, whoever it was did a very good job. Um, no real significance to the pickle ornament. So imagine now. Imagine a few weeks from now. You're at family Christmas. And you're in it, like you're eating all the food, you're, you're eating whatever it is you eat, you're doing whatever it is that you do during family Christmas. And it's awesome, it's great, it's Christmas. And everybody's there that's supposed to be there. And then there's a knock at the door. It's like, who is this? Because at the time of day, the solicitors that make you feel guilty for having messy trees and whatnot, they shouldn't be putting flyers up at your door. Like everybody's there that's supposed to be there. So you're really curious. You want to make sure you're the one who answers the door. And you open the door and it's Jesus. Jesus has come over for Christmas. And so you, you invite him in. You become kind of like Martha 2.0. You're running around. You're making sure that, that all, there's still some remnants of food left, all the different dishes that were made. You make pile his plate. So he has all of the food. And you're showing him the house, how your house is decorated. And you're introducing him to family. And he starts to ask some questions like, you know, what, what, what's some of this mean and why and and as he starts to ask you some of those questions, you're, you're looking down at his plate and you, you see the, the fruitcake that's on his plate and the gigantic socks hanging over the mantle and the kids are bouncing off the walls with their candy canes and you're kind of stuck. You're not really sure how to respond. You're not really sure what to say. So I think if Jesus showed up in our midst at church, if Jesus showed up to Christmas, I think we'd have to teach Jesus Christmas. <laughs> I think we'd have to teach Jesus church to a certain extent. Because not all the things and all the traditions that we do, it isn't, I think, obvious as to the connection, how it connects to Jesus' teaching, how it connects to Scripture. It isn't always obvious. So I just want to know, I want you to know, I'm preaching to myself this morning because half the things that I do at Christmas, I'm not exactly sure that I know what it is that I'm doing. And I, I don't want you to hear like I'm being real cynical about tradition or whatnot. I just want us to explore what tradition is and the significance of tradition. Because if we're confused, if we're uncertain about what it is that we do, then that affects our telling of this amazing story. And I think even if we know what it is that we're doing, I think for many folks who we haven't reached yet, who haven't called First Methodist Mansfield home, Tradition can be strange. Our language, our way of being, the way in which we organize ourselves and the things that we do and the symbols, right? I think for some folks, it can be a kind of a barrier. And so I think 
there are three things, if we get really deep into it, there's probably more than just the three things that can maybe for us and for folks be strange when it comes to tradition. So, um, I think for some, you know, tradition is old and irrelevant. And because tradition is so old and we don't know maybe the genesis of tradition, it's, you know, what we do, the same old songs that we sing and some of the prayers that we pray, it all describes a world that we don't understand that's from a very, very, very long time ago. And so because it's old, I think for many of us, it seems to be irrelevant because we like shiny new things. What's new is true and and we're enamored with, with progress and what is next. And I think for some, there's this inaccessibility to tradition because of that. I think for some, tradition is seen as like empty ritual, what some in our culture would call bad religion. We live in a day and a time where people identify as being spiritual, but not religious. And I think part of what some people view as religion is this sort of empty ritual, this going through the motions and half-heartedly or mindlessly doing things that we don't really know what we're doing or saying things. There's a judgment made as do you really know what it is that you're doing. There was this YouTube video created like six years ago called Why I Love Jesus But Hate Religion. 33 million views. It really struck a chord. And it's this idea of oversimplifying, oversimplifying Jesus and only wanting to do things that point to Jesus and cynically viewing everything else that we do that we might call tradition as just excessive. It just gets in the way. It's no good. And so there's this temptation, I think, to throw away tradition. For some, I think I think tradition is seen as exclusive, it's rigid, it's unchanging. This is the way it is. It's, it's not very accessible to people who don't understand tradition. I love the Catholic Church. I have family in the Catholic Church. If you've ever been maybe to a Catholic Mass or the first time you've been to a Catholic Mass, I know for me it's like, what, what are we doing? I don't know when to stand. I don't know when to sit. I don't know when to respond. There's this strangeness and there's no one to help me understand what it is that we're doing and why we do some of the things that we do. So these issues, I think, are very, very important for us to be aware of because I think tradition can be a barrier for some. And there's a temptation with some of these issues to just cast tradition aside, and I don't think we can do that. I think tradition is too important for us to throw away. So why is tradition so important? Why do we need to embrace with the way in which we live out our lives in all the creative and unique ways that we do? So I think part of what's important about tradition and the traditions, and again, to be very clear here, I'm talking about those beliefs, those practices, those songs, the ministries, the way that we exist, right, as a community of faith. That's what I mean by tradition. Traditions, although they're old, they're born from beginnings, Traditions are born from beginnings. We, we read Genesis 1.1, in the beginning was the word, and we think about the beginning of things and how dynamic it is. Like we look at the beginning of creation and God speaks and there's light and there's life, this wonder of creation and everything that happens in that. You think about the beginning of the early church. 
there's like this earthquake and there's tongues of fire and there's gathering and there's preaching and proclaiming and thousands upon thousands of people. It's so dynamic. There's so much life and light happening in the beginning of things. And we capture that in tradition. It's like we're trying to bottle a sunbeam of God's grace and truth that we want to hand on from generation to generation. Pastor David used the the baton image and that's what we're trying to do as we experience God in these times. Tradition, traditions are born from beginnings. Think about the beginning of marriage or when your kids were born, when your kids were babies. Like there's, there's so much life, there's so much light, there's so much beauty that we want to capture that's always true, that we always need to remember. There's this guy with a funny name who is a very prolific Christian theologian. His name's Jaroslav Pelikan. In the 20th century, he wrote a lot of things, and he distinguishes between traditionalism and tradition. What we might call traditionalism, he differentiates the terms because traditionalism, he has in mind that kind of empty ritual, this sort of dead expression that sometimes when we just go through the motion, that's what he's getting at. He, he says this, traditionalism is the dead faith of the living and tradition tradition is the living faith of the dead so the living faith that produces things like the apostles creed and o come o come emmanuel joy to the world that living faith tradition expresses a living faith from people who encountered God, who lived life with God, who handed that on. And then as we live out our tradition, as we live out our faith, we sing those same songs because our faith is alive. It was alive for them then. It's alive for us now. And then the challenge is as we live out our traditions, what will future generations call tradition that we have made? And it's pretty cool since I've been here, there's a tradition that y'all... you, y'all live out that didn't always exist, that's relatively new in the life of this ministry that I pray, and I know you probably pray, lasts for 100, 200, 300 years, the, the, the long history, the rich history of this church going forward into future generations, special needs ministry. Like, isn't that amazing? That didn't exist, and now it does. It is a tradition of this church. It's part of this church's story. So that's another reason tradition is, I think, is so important. And, and, and finally, tradition is so important because it tells the truth. It makes the reign of God known in this world. So we sing joy to the world. We sing angels we have heard on high. We sing the same songs year after year because they, they express the truth. They tell our story about how God came and it was his intention from the beginning to dwell with us and that he came for all people that it isn't an exclusive, it isn't a rigid thing, this way of living, these traditions that we embody. It, it isn't something that should be closed off. And Jesus is a perfect example of this. As we, we read again, John chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, towards the end of, of the, the big chunk that's the theme for our series, This is Christmas, John chapter 1 verses 16 and 17 says this, out of his fullness 
we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So, so this passage is saying there's grace given upon grace that was already given. So there was grace given in the law. The law wasn't all bad. The law helped order Israel's life. Grace and truth comes through Jesus Christ, and the law was part of Israel's tradition that was part of their way of life. It was part of their identity. And in that tradition, the, we, we see in Jesus as he exposes this, as he calls this out, that there was this way of understanding the law that became rigid, that we became small, that became closed off. As, as the scribes and the Pharisees are challenging the disciples for picking grain on the Sabbath. There was this understanding of the Sabbath where like skipping a rock over water was considered work. And Jesus is calling out some of these, these very rigid interpretations of the law and says, look, y'all, y'all are missing it. All the law and all of the prophets is about love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Like, that's what it's all about. You have heard that it was said, but I say to you, Jesus is even expanding and broadening Israel's understanding of their own tradition. The truth isn't changing the truth is the same, but our understanding of the truth grows and deepens as our life with God grows and deepens. Jesus is pushing and helping us understand the, the spirit of this tradition that always was, that got twisted, that got turned into something else. And Jesus says later in the Gospel of John, we won't get to it in this series. He says, you know, all the things that I've done, you're even going to do greater things. So we have a responsibility then to create new traditions that faithfully make Christ known in the world. And here's what's at stake. I want to read again the passage that Pastor Sharon read for us. Again, in John chapter 1, verses 9 through 13. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So this is why the traditional life of our church, this is why the traditional life of this community of faith is so important. Because the world, the world doesn't recognize Jesus. To the world, Jesus is just a name, not the name. So this is why it is so important. And when it comes to this traditional life, it does require some assimilation for folks who don't understand what it is that we do and what it is all of this represents, right? There is some transition. There's some assimilation that needs to happen. So if the world doesn't recognize Jesus to begin with, how will the world begin to participate in the traditional life of the church if the world doesn't recognize because I think the world has to start recognizing in order for them to be motivated to take that step towards the altar 
in order to start participating. So how do we help the world recognize, start to recognize? How do we do that? Remember um, when Jesus showed up for Christmas? And here's what's crazy. You knew it was Jesus before you said anything or he said anything to you. Do you notice that? I want us to look at these two verses in in Luke chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. Luke 5, 12 to 13. While Jesus, while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Earlier in the gospel of Luke, there's this man named Simeon. And when he sees the child, when he sees the child, he says this, for my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of the people Israel. Simeon gets to hold the one who made him and he sees the child and he sees, he sees salvation. You see, Jesus didn't come just to see us. Again, nothing was made. Nothing was made without Jesus being involved, without the Son of God being involved. Jesus recognizes us. He knows our ways very, very, very well. The world doesn't recognize Jesus, but he recognizes us. He recognizes the world. He knows us very well. You know that look your kids give you when you've been gone for a while and they're really excited to see you? You know that look? Or maybe you've, you've been away from your spouse, your significant other for a long time, and you, of course you're not fighting, assuming you're not fighting, and it's the first time you've seen him in a while. You know, sometimes I wish I could pick Max up from First Faith Preschool every single day. Like, part of me wishes he had school every single day, because when I pick him up, that look, like that look of recognition, that look of acceptance, that look of love and joy, you know, that look... You know that look? Brothers and sisters, I think that's how God sees us. Like I think Jesus came in part so we could see how he sees us. And, and we imagine the people that got to see him, you know, Simeon and this man with leprosy, the people that, that got to see the way he sees us while he was here on earth in his ministry. But we get to see the way he sees us through his word and through prayer and through each other. I think Jesus came in part so, so we could see how he sees us. And for the world who so desperately needs to assimilate in our traditional life here for the world who doesn't recognize Jesus. I think if we begin to see the world the way Jesus sees us, they'll start to recognize. They'll start to step towards the altar. They'll start to sing joy to the world. For the coworker who's not a fan of yours, for the lady who's taken too long to check out, for the dad who can't control his kids, for your stepfamily and in-laws, for those people we find difficult if we begin to see the world the way Jesus sees us, I think they'll start to recognize 
I think they'll start to receive the grace and the truth that's in so much of the traditions that we embrace, that we embody. So, will you see? Will you pray with me? Holy God, from the beginning, your desire, your intention was to live in communion with us. We were made to be known and loved by you and to to love you and to know you and, and grow in your likeness in return and to make your love manifest and make your love known in this world. God, help us see the world as you see us. We pray all this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.